Welcome to Steam Out the Classroom. I am Tori Cameron, and I'm so excited to be starting this podcast and sharing it with you. I started this podcast because I love talking with people about STEM and STEAM. And for anyone curious, STEM stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math. Add in the A for Arts, and you have STEAM. Uh, There's a mighty movement across education um, to have more STEM opportunities for students. And having attended a few conferences and professional development opportunities, I realized just how much I enjoy speaking with others about STEM and STEAM. So my hope for this podcast is to bring amazing guests on in order to provide listeners the opportunity to grow their own learning and enthusiasm for STEAM. And I have some amazing guests lined up. I have teachers of all subjects and all grade levels. I had some administrators, uh, people from the business and nonprofit world, and many more. I'm so excited, and thank you so much for tuning in. If you are interested in being a guest, please reach out to me at my site, steamuptheclassroom.com. Today, we have Linda Cherizio as our guest for the episode. Linda comes to us from Millis, Massachusetts, where she works at Tangerini's Spring Street Farm. Linda is head chef of their catering and prepared foods. Linda also works out in the fields, and she is an incredible source of knowledge about farming and culinary science, and I'm so excited to have her as my first guest on Steam Up the Classroom. So welcome, Linda. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. All right. I'm so excited that you're here. I can't stand it. Um, So I said a little brief intro about you. Is there anything else that you want to toot your horn about? Um, I just really love the ability that I have to work with both the farming aspect and the agricultural science of all that entails, and then also be able to work with the food aspect and preparing foods and making lunches for people and uh, and doing that whole line of things and then finding ways to tie kids into it as well. I think it's a really, really awesome opportunity. Yeah, the farm has kids at it daily, right? We do. We have a uh, preschool on site that is not specifically affiliated with the farm, but they do take on a lot of activities at the farm. And then we also run our own summer camp and we do lots of different field trips of all different shapes and sizes with lots of different age ranges. And uh, they have lots of different things that they request that they're able to do. And we're really happy to accommodate. That's so awesome. Um, So I want to pick your brain about a couple different topics today. Um, So I want to talk about growing a class or school garden, um, turning crops into food, uh, food activities that you can do with students, and all how you can incorporate farm and culinary into STEAM. Because it's not something that's talked about too often, at least not for schools that aren't like specific Aggie schools or agricultural schools. So I wanted to kind of talk about that and then hopefully um, bring some awesome information to any of our listeners. Yeah, well, so a lot of different schools now are starting to realize how important it is um, kind of getting back to the basics and trying to figure out how we can incorporate healthy eating and healthy living into a child's everyday lifestyle. Uh, it's, It's becoming a growing trend where a lot of schools are realizing that they're getting away from incorporating different things like that into the school day because you're trying to push so many other aspects uh, into 
every kid's learning day and and now kind of coming back and picking that stuff back up and that is a really important way to to bring it into a child's life with something starting at school and then they can take it home with them too exactly there's such like a huge push to have all the testing and everything done so I don't know, for so many years now, it's just been trying to check off the list of things that kids have to learn by the end of the school year and not realizing that there's a lot of other important things that they could be learning about and it could really be benefiting them for the tests that they have to take. So even though, you know, there's no test on growing a garden, or maybe there is, but if there's no specific test um, at the state level for growing a garden, does it have benefits for the kids in the classroom? And I found some awesome like research and stuff that we can talk about later on the benefits of growing crops and growing a little garden or growing a big garden, whatever level the school wants to create and how it really not only benefits the students, but it benefits the community and it benefits all the teachers and everyone involved. So I'm super excited that you're here to, to talk about that with us. Um, so something I've always have been interested in is starting a uh, a school garden or a class garden. I've had um, opportunities at different schools where they have had um, school gardens, um, but I haven't specifically been too involved in them. Um, I know they've had like specific volunteers or specific specific staff members that have worked um, with the garden. Um, some one of the schools I was at even had a local farm um they were it was kind of like a grant situation where the farm was helping the school build their garden at least for the first year um so i thought how cool it'd be if you could talk to us about um what it entails to start a little garden um and when you should start one and what we could start with so i have a bunch of little tiny questions to ask you and we can yeah, Get let's go it. for it. All right. If you were going to start a school garden, you know, school starts in the fall, but is that necessarily the best time to start a garden? So in in the typical New England weather, which is where we are right now, not particularly. However, that doesn't mean that you can't, you have to, you know, throw the idea out completely. There are lots of different things that you can grow inside, even in the colder months. And there's a lot of different ways that a classroom can go about it and a lot of it will depend upon what the school has for utilities in terms of uh, what what you have available to yourself and there are some schools out there that have a horticulture department that have uh, has a small greenhouse or something like that or even some grow lights or something um, but there's also lots of schools that don't have access to that kind of equipment and uh, and they don't even have like a somewhere that they could plant things outside That's specifically true. so my first garden that I ever had was in containers and it was I was growing zucchini in a pot and it's you know, you can you can do it in all different shapes and sizes. Um, when you're starting to talk about, oh, we want to grow tomatoes and peppers and eggplant and all of that kind of stuff, it is beneficial in the New England climate to start growing that stuff in the spring, and it will start to ripen uh, towards the end of 
beginning to end of August and through September and October until you have your first frost if you are planning on growing these things outside. But if you do want to grow things inside, you've got a whole slew of different herbs that you can grow and you can start super small with something that the kids will be like, oh my gosh, this is basil, this is oregano, this is, you know, different things that you can just utilize on a very small scale. Oh, absolutely. I know um, a few years ago I was working with kindergartners and you know those little bulbs that you get around Christmas time and they sprout into like this giant flower? (laughs) One of the parents had given it to the teacher or something like that that I was working with and they had one in their window and the kids were so excited when it started growing and showing you know what it was going to become because the teacher never told them they just said hey like this little thing we're gonna start growing we'll see what happens and they were so excited for it and I just think there's so many kids out there that would be so excited to have even a tiny little garden or even one little plant that they're growing and um, and see what it becomes and watch it as it starts as a little seed or a tiny little plant and grows into something even larger. It just brings a level of excitement that classrooms don't necessarily always have. Exactly. And it just because uh, you can utilize vegetable and fruit plants doesn't mean that you have to do it as a vegetable or fruit garden, you know, putting planting different flowers and all of that kind of stuff will definitely give the children a more acknowledgement for how things grow and what it takes to grow things and an understanding for that kind of stuff and you can definitely tie a lot of science into uh, into how that plant actually grows Uh, there are different planting containers that are on the market these days and there's lots of ones that are um, actually see-through so you can plant into the soil and uh, actually watch the root system form and watch the seed break open and the the plants start to start to grow Um, that's cool and there's there's just there's a lot of stuff out there now that um, that is specifically designed for children to learn how to grow things that's really cool. Oh, I didn't know they had those. It <laughs> makes sense if you think about it, but I didn't know that. I feel like now I want to go get one. <laughs> like they're they're really one. cool, so you can watch it. And, you know, especially if you're learning about the formation of um, of a plant, it's a really, really cool way to tie that in. And then, uh, you know, either doing it with a flower or with something that is actually edible Um it's just a really interesting way for kids to see the whole life cycle of something. Absolutely, especially for the younger grades, because I know uh, lower elementary focuses on the anatomy of plants. Exactly, and that would be so cool because you can see you can see the whole plant because lots of times the roots stay hidden and they're kind of a mystery. Yeah. So to be able to actually see them forming, oh, that'd be so fun for kids. All right. Um, so let's see. So if we're going to start our, let's say we're going to start a vegetable garden. That's that's the goal. Um, and I decided, or whoever is building it decides that they want to um, get the school involved. So they want to kind of have like veggies that the kids can bring home or maybe some community members can bring it home. Something that kids can really like put in their backpack and go running off the bus saying, Super hey, tangible. Like, we built these. Yeah. yeah. Or we built these. We grew these. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's better. Um, what 
what would you say would be the best crop to start with that's exciting but not too difficult so a nice like kid level beginner we'll say for like middle school and lower yeah so i there's a lot of stuff out there obviously you've got a whole plethora of of vegetables to choose from when you start getting into fruits it becomes more uh, of a challenge as to what your space is looking like and whether you want it to be an annual or perennial Um, but from a vegetable standpoint I think it's great, uh, especially for a school that you're talking is is not going to be running during the summer months. Um, maybe there's somebody on staff that would be able to tend to certain things during summer months if you are trying to plant something that would then be harvestable when the school starts back up in the fall. Um, but I think a great thing to start with would be even just some uh, some sugar snap peas or something like that, uh, that is an early spring crop. Um, And it's something that usually once kids try it, especially when they see it grown, um, they will actually consume them. Yeah, (laughs) Um, absolutely. uh, Carrots are another great thing that you can grow. When you get into carrots, it does require some soil depth. So it's not something that you're going to be planting in, you know, six inches to a foot of soil. You're going to need a little bit more soil depth for that, but nothing too crazy. We're talking like uh, it would be great if you had two feet, um, but it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be exceptionally deep. There are lots of different carrots on the market now too, in terms of varieties. And there's actually a carrot that is almost it grows, uh, and it's actually about the size of a radish and it's a round carrot really? now. so they're actually really super cool and um and that would be good if you don't have very much soil depth um yeah. i don't remember the name of that one off the top of my head but they have a lot of different varieties and um i mean you can go on to lots of different seed websites um i specifically remember seeing that one on johnny's seeds but um but it's so funny because it- I've never even heard of a carrot like that. So I feel like most kids definitely haven't heard of carrots other than the normal, like, orange ones you find at grocery stores. And even then, do they really buy the ones with the leaves on the end? Right, yeah. I mean, a lot of times you see carrots in a bag with no greens on top of them. And, I mean, my son's two and a half, and he was out in the carrot field yesterday just pulling up the greens and picking the carrots out of the ground, wiping them off and eating them. And, you know, it's it, it's really great for them to see that whole process. And, and if you can, I think carrots a lot of times, depending upon uh, your climate, can be either a earlier spring crop that they're harvesting right around that mid-June time frame when they're getting out of school. And, uh, and that's something that's like super exciting, a nice time for them yeah. to be heading off home with some carrots and uh absolutely but i i think that would be carrots and sugar snap peas are a really great thing for that time of the year specifically that would be able to yield enough in a smaller enough area that uh that you would be able to actually take some of that stuff home in the the may and june months yeah and not to mention i feel like a lot of schools have more flexibility at that time of year too so you can spend um, like if your class is going to spend a couple minutes, 10, 20, an hour or whatever you can spend outside 
then you can do it during that time of year because it's less pressure to exactly. get the curriculum done. Yeah, yeah. Um, so th- those types of things are great for that time of year. There's also a whole bunch of other different types of uh, of spring crops, even you know radishes, and um, and there's a lots lots of spring turnips too um, that are more of a salad turnip. Um, than a than a roasting turnip, so things that the kids can eat raw, and they don't have to, you know, you don't have to incorporate a whole cooking lesson into your into your day as well if you're trying to teach the kids how to eat them. Um, yeah, and we are going to talk about what you can do if you do want to incorporate that cooking. We're going to talk about absolutely. that in a little bit. <laughs> um, so, how about from the side of actually creating the garden so if um so this is definitely something that you could do with older you can do it with younger kids but you can absolutely have this as a project for older students where they create the plot that um everything grows from definitely um so let's let's just kind of say like low budget what do you really need to start the garden you really don't need much at all in terms of uh a lot of times there's even uh, certain, I know you had mentioned grants earlier. There are some grants out there that, that I know you've heard of um, that would help these types of projects kickstart. Um, but we've oh, worked we with- we are going to talk about grants a little bit. <laughs> we've worked with some schools before that are looking for, um, for donations and stuff like that too, which is a great way to approach something like this. If you have a local farm or something like that, and you're looking for, sometimes local farms even have some extra seedlings um, that they're not using in the fields that are just going to go in the compost pile. Um, oh, really? and, uh, and sometimes there's extra compost or extra soil um, that can be donated to schools too, which is a really great way to to kind of look out and keep keep an eye out for some stuff like that um but you can depending upon your space you can either do it from a container standpoint where you're doing things in in pots which is definitely completely feasible um if you wanted to do something like carrots even doing them in a long window box would even work oh really um you just want to make sure that they're getting enough sun and and that your spacing is is right Mm -hmm. um depending upon what you're growing all things that you purchase from from seed is going to have a specific spacing suggestion on the container itself on the package of seeds if you get something from your local farmer um, they'll definitely be knowledgeable enough to give you some advice on how closely or far away you should space things but um on a larger scale if you are planting directly into the ground mm-hmm. you can plant directly into the ground if you're if you just till up the ground a little bit this does not mean that you need to go rent a rototiller from you know your local (laughs) rental equipment place um you can just get the kids out there with some rakes um how and some hose or um, something super simple just have them move around the soil get some big rocks out of there and and then um throw down some compost and have them rake that in so that the soil is nice and light and fluffy and airy you want to create a ground that has enough air um, incorporated into it and is fluffy enough that when you plant the seed in it, the seed's going to have somewhere for its roots to grow. Um, if you have a hard-packed soil uh, and you put the seed in, the seed's going to get really root-bound and it's going to have a much harder time growing into that ground. So yeah. um, you can 
if you need to create a raised bed um, with some wood to kind of give a little bit more of a perimeter of your garden, then that's definitely one way to do it too. And but that's an absolutely perfect project for you know, the kids to measure out and definitely. they can put it together. They can, you know, if you have someone that has some tools that they can donate or come in and teach the kids how to use them or maybe you have a wood shop class or something at the school and the kids can build that so that they can incorporate all different classes into this garden. Yeah, it's it's a really cool way to to bring a lot of different learning tools into one project. And uh and there's lots of different ways that you can then separate your actual plants. Um we've done with a class before um done separations through um just making collecting rocks that you've dug up from the ground um and separating the different crops with um with rows of rocks or you know decorating in art class or something like that decorating signs that you can stick into the Mm. ground and um and differentiate where you're planting each crops so then when the when the seeds start to grow the kids can look and say oh look this you know this is where the radishes are because we painted this sign and we designed it and decorated it for the radishes and this is what they look like as they're starting to grow um so there's, and there's lots of ways to do it something that you touched upon earlier you said if you don't have a school that has someone there in the summer um, you know what to do but if you do have someone that's there in the summer maybe there's a summer school program that runs or maybe there's some camps or just some ambitious teaching staff or <laughs> um, custodial staff that's there all summer um, that can water the gardens then you have a lot more like, reach on what you can yeah there's a lot grow. more flexibility in that case if you do have somebody that's even willing to come by even if it's just, uh, you know, every other day to make sure that things have enough water and, uh, and to put a little bit of fertilizer down, um, throw some more compost, even just throwing a little bit of compost on the top of the soil and watering it in will add some nitrogen to the soil and it will allow that plant to grow successfully throughout its growing cycle. Um, in that case, you definitely have a lot more reach as to what you're able to plant. Um, something really fun, but it requires more space um, because these are, are a larger plant, especially for when the kids come back to school, is even to be able to plant a couple of sugar pumpkins, mm-hmm. um, which would be super cool because then you could cut into it and talk about the seeds all over again, which you can do with a lot of different vegetables as well. But um, the pumpkins are so but prominent. For the, the, it's a pumpkin. Yeah. Everybody, everybody loves pumpkins, right? And and then uh, sugar pumpkins are awesome because then you can also cook with them too. So um, so you can roast them. You can make um, you can make pies. You can make soups. You can do all kinds of things with sugar pumpkins. Um, so that's a really fun thing that would be um, the kids would be able to see starting to ripen when they get back to school in mid-September. Um, but there's there's definitely lots of other crops that would be really exciting um, during the summer. You obviously have your quintessential tomatoes and peppers and all of that stuff, um, which you'd really need somebody who could be present a little bit more frequently to harvest those vegetables throughout the summer too. And a summer school or a summer camp is a really great way to tie that in. Yeah, and those also have a lot 
that grow on them. So there's a exactly. lot of peppers that grow and a lot of tomatoes. So you can really um, have um, just many kids benefiting from them, bringing them home. Definitely. You know, cooking with them at home if that's what you want to do or having programs at the school. Exactly. That's reaching yeah, you know, the and whole it, family. And it's, it's definitely, um, you know, a lot of families too get in a rut of, what they buy and how they cook and things like that. And I think having the kids be able to bring it home and be like, I grew this, this is what we grew, you know, and talking about it in class and being able to bring it home will bring just a whole new aspect to the family as well. And I think that's really an important aspect of how they're incorporating the whole garden and farm experience in schools. Absolutely. That brings us to our, I mean, we've talked about this quite a bit already the benefits of a class garden but there's a few specific benefits that I definitely want to touch upon um, so I looked up some research on the benefits of growing a class or school garden and I found a couple articles um, one of them was on CNN and the title was blossoming health and academic benefits of school gardens and the article said that school gardens have a benefit on standardized test scores um, and community and student engagement and overall teacher and student satisfaction. And I thought it was really interesting because, I mean, you know that the students are going to be excited about what they're growing. For the teacher satisfaction, I thought that was really interesting. Um, the teachers were and how it really created a positive experience for the whole school. And um, just it talked about the caretakers of the garden and how it creates responsibility and community building because you can have parent volunteers come in. You can have, um, you know, different school, different classes be scheduled at different times to come in and work on the garden. Maybe a certain maybe one class is working on the snap peas, but another class is working on the carrots and then they switch the next week or something like that. So all the kids get the benefit from everything. Or maybe there's different plots um, for different grade levels or something like that. So there's a lot of different ways that you can divvy it up and, and have all the kids work on different things, but also bring them all together. And also you, you talked about donating the crops. So you can donate it um, to the kids to bring home um, to their families, or maybe you want to donate to a local food pantry or a local um, shelter, um, or even uh, learn different ways that you can use the crops for healthy living. Um, how exciting is it to grow it, cook it, eat it? Like, I mean, isn't that the ultimate? I love to that. Able to eat it every day. Grow it, cook <laughs> it. Yeah, I mean, that's your life. You live that life. To run off the bus with like a bunch of tomatoes, and they're like, "Mom, let's make that salad tonight." <laughs> like, how how exciting is that? I mean, I would have been that kid that runs off the bus. Um, yeah, super I'm excited. Um, and let's see. So back to the CNN article. Um, they did talk about how gardens are becoming more popular. There's a tiny but mighty little movement to grow more gardens in elementary schools. And I say tiny because only 27% of elementary schools in the United States have a school garden. That's not a lot of schools, if you think about it, especially with how many schools are in, like, right to farm communities or farming communities um that's not a lot so hopefully this podcast can interest some people in bringing a little school garden or a class garden 
um, to where they are. There's just there's so many different ways that you can incorporate different aspects of learning into what you're growing. All right. Um, so let's talk real fast about a few grants that I found, and then we're going to talk about turning our crops into food, which I'm super excited about with Linda because she's an amazing chef, and everyone should know because she feeds me frequently, and <laughs> every time I'm just oh, so delighted to try anything that she cooks. All right, so some grants. Um, for anyone that's living in Massachusetts, there is some mini grants that I found um, through... AG in classroom.org. So AG, I'm guessing, stands for agriculture. Um, and they have some mini grants where if you want to either start a little garden or big garden um, or continue one or branch out, um, depending on whatever you're looking to do, they have grants that they um, provide yearly um, up to $1,500 and you can have a sm much smaller grant if it's uh, just a couple hundred dollars um, or all the way up to the 1500 depending on what your need is you can apply and bring that opportunity to your school um, so again the website was aginclassroom.org so aginclassroom.org and then another grant that I found um, was through Whole Foods and it's their Whole Kids grant and it actually opens up in a couple of weeks in September so September 1st 2017 is when it opens up and it's grants for schools and also extended learning days so I thought this was really awesome because there's some amazing after school and um, before school programs that are in almost any community around. Um, so if you're someone that works in those extended learning days um, or you know, parent of someone, absolutely spread the word about the Whole Foods grants. Um, again, it's through Whole Kids. And if you search that online, you'll absolutely find it real quick. And these are just two different grants that I found um, just by searching online. So um, there's a lot of other grants out there if you look for them, but I figured I'd just plug these two to get you guys excited, all those listeners. All right, so turning crops into food. I'm very excited about this because um, a couple years ago in one of my classes, I had a parent approach me and we were learning, uh, we were reading a story um, about someone who lived in Mexico and um, they talked about some salsa in the story and the parent um, actually approached me and said, hey, like, how cool would it be if we made some salsa for the kids and um, have the kids, you know, do all of the the preparation and putting it all together? And I was like, come on in. And um, so the parent ran that little um, activity with the kids and they were so incredibly excited about it. And I was also super excited, but also a little bumming because it was like the end of May or early June or something when the parent came in and did that activity. And I thought, oh. I had only started this in September, we could have done like something like this, you know, for every story or for every little thing um, that we could incorporate it in. And how cool would it have been to have that through the whole year? So, which is why I'm talking about it in this podcast. So, if anyone's interested in bringing some different cooking opportunities into their classroom, by all means, you should do it because the kids are just so excited about it. And 
you know, having worked from the elementary level all the way up through high school, I feel like all kids are so excited to be able to make something that they can eat <laughs> because who doesn't love food? I'm still excited <laughs> about making it. <laughs> I, know. I know. Every time I try a new recipe, I'm like, oh, yes. Okay. So benefits of cooking what you grow. Absolutely the appreciation for your crops. Definitely. I mean... I absolutely love taking it to a classroom level where you have a garden and um, or even just a couple of containers of things or even just some herbs um, and the different things that you can make and tie that into, uh, like Tori is saying, a story that you're reading or a, a lesson plan in general, creating some healthy snack for the kids and um, and incorporating their, their time into making it, I think is so super important. And... And it gives them just that next step of gratitude as to to growing the product as well. So it's so cool to be able to see it growing and use it to eat it and really have like the full cycle, the full food cycle right there. There's so many awesome things that you can do with raw food. And, and if you're limited on cooking supplies and you know you don't have an oven or a stove accessible uh, to your classroom or something like that Um, there's like Tori mentioned just making salsa Um, it's a super easy thing to do you're chopping up some tomatoes and maybe throwing some cilantro in there Um, you know it's unusual at least in our climate to be growing limes if you are (laughs) going to put some limes in there but um, but uh, even just squeezing the lime juice if you get a couple of limes is a really fun activity for the kids Um, and and tossing all these things together and just seeing how you can use a few ingredients to make something that's really delicious and healthy for the kids yeah and absolutely so fun you don't have to only use what you grow too. So if you're only growing snap peas to begin with, then just find some different recipes that you can use with snap peas and then you can get the other ingredients elsewhere. Um, so it's not, you're not limited. Exactly. Definitely. Having gone to culinary school and uh, learning all about the you know, science of food and that there's all sorts of chemical reactions coming together I don't know. What, what, what would you say if there's you know, a science teacher that wants to talk about like chemical reactions or um, they want to talk about math where it's like fractions of measuring cups and different. What would you say as an advocate that you want like why food science should definitely be spoken about and um as an activity in like a science class? Food is I mean, from the the growth of a plant to the creation of a meal there's so much science that goes on throughout it and most people just take it for granted as you know i'm gonna make some pasta so naturally i'm going to boil water and you know and when i put my pasta in it it's going to get softer but why you know like your water is boiling what's you know even from the temperature of water to you know if I put hot water in a pot, will it boil faster than cold water in a pot? If I add, you know, there's 
the age-old debate of uh, adding salt to water. Does it take longer to boil now? Um, if you cover the pot versus if you don't. I feel like that's always the argument in my yeah, house. Yeah, <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it continues. And, and we've, we haven't even put the pasta in the pot yet. And we're already, you know, we're already trying to figure out different things um, from, a, from a science perspective. Um, and then the way the molecules change when you cook food, mm-hmm. the nutrient changes when you cook food. Um, and you know, tomatoes are actually, you're absorbing more nutrients and different nutrients faster from your, in your body if you cook the tomatoes versus eating them raw. Oh. Um, and, and it's just, it changes on so many different levels. One of my favorite food science books is What Einstein Told His Cook, and it's Kitchen Science Explained. It's a gentleman who used to write a food science article and started getting all of these different uh, requests and questions from his his listeners and her his readers um, and he put them all into a book he now has two books oh, wow. um, and they're absolutely fascinating there's such a cool thing if you are going to talk about food science in a classroom they're a really cool resource because it's not a novel that you have to read front to back um, they're quite literally questions and answers um, oh. and a lot of there's recipes that go in in the book as well that involve readers in certain questions um so that's just that's one of my favorite food science books that's out there it's super simple and from a curriculum perspective with essential questions that you want the kids to have answered by the end of a lesson or a unit you can have those as the questions and just not tell them the answers and they have to figure it out through different science experiments even just it's something simple as does pasta boil faster if it's with salt or not you know the kids can absolutely do that as a science experiment and yeah. have a blast because then they get to eat the pasta at the end yeah. right and maybe they make a little tomato sauce but even if you don't have um like a whole kitchen that you can use um, with ovens there's other ways that you can um, use food and there's other ways that you can cook food too maybe your class is looking to do something with solar and with yeah. the sun and maybe they make an outdoor oven using tinfoil or something there's like a that curious george tv episode about cooking with solar and it's of awesome of course there is go curious george <laughs> he makes lasagna in a solar cooker and it's great that's awesome well all right teachers out there see if it's a possibility have your students try it can you cook lasagna with tinfoil <laughs> that's so there's cool. there's just so many fun things that you can do especially like tori said even if you don't have an oven you know different things with solar that's like such a huge thing different energy sources um and uh, and it's it's just it's so much fun trying to to show kids the science behind it and and the math behind it too. Um, a lot of times when I'm cooking with my son, even though he's two and a half, we use like the smallest measuring cup possible so that I can be like, hey, you know, if it's one cup, um, how many of these quarter cups do we need to get to one cup? Perfect. And you know, or teaspoons to tablespoons, and you you're counting and you're trying to to do equations and okay if it calls for two-thirds a cup but we only have you know a quarter of a cup how do we get to that two-thirds of a cup do we add how many tablespoons do we add to get a quarter of a cup plus you know x amount of tablespoons to get to two-thirds of a cup um that's perfect all of that kind of stuff is really easy 
Yeah. So it's it's taking it out of the book and into something that they really need to know in order to survive out in the adult world eventually, right? How many times have you been cooking at home when your measuring cups are all dirty and you don't <laughs> want to wash them and now you need to figure it out with a different measuring cup? <laughs> yeah. So you thought you were being lazy by not washing them, but then really you have to know the knowledge. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so there's just... There's so many different ways that you can use STEM and STEAM with culinary and culinary arts and food science. And um, like I feel like the possibilities really are endless. So that's really exciting. All right. Um, our last topic. Let's see. Our last topic are just some easy ways for students to just get involved in crops and in cooking. So you know, reasons why to involve students in it, social skills. So preparing a meal together. I mean, how many times, I mean, I knew growing up that I took for granted that my mom would have that meal or my dad would have that meal on the table and I would have no idea how they made it. So being able to learn how to cook the different foods that you grow is just so much fun but it's also like a life skill that really is necessary but you might not necessarily learn it at school or learn it at home so having an opportunity for students to prepare a meal together and to socialize um, about the foods oh do you think we should add a little more salt or hey did we forget an ingredient did we include the baking soda for the bread is it gonna <laughs> rise you know so just different things that they can talk about and get excited together and learn um and have it be less of a chore and less of something that they have to do and more something that they can do to have fun and um kind of exciting them on that end because i know i mean growing up i wasn't too excited to not all of us linda chef linda um we're like super excited to be like oh mom's asking me to help out with like dinner tonight I'd just <laughs> rather like hang out on my phone or whatever I did probably coloring um that was my my <laughs> culinary school essay was about how when I was a little kid I had my own uh I had my own plastic bowl set and whisk and spoon set that I would take out of the pantry when my mom was making dinner and I would push up a chair and stand on my chair and I would whisk with her and I would help with her and that was where the excitement for me started from my dad had a little bit of a garden outside and we would go pick some carrots and tomatoes and I would bring them inside and I'd pull out my mixing bowl set and I am fairly confident at a young age my mom only gave me flour and water in that <laughs> mixing bowl but I always thought I was helping cook dinner <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> that's so cute oh you're, you're adorable <laughs> as always <laughs> but it just it starts that interest and even if it's not something that they take in and become a farmer or become a chef it's just something that they can bring with them throughout their whole life and it's funny because now talking to my mom I'm like oh I just tried this most amazing recipe tonight and my love for my crock pot and just like different things that I've now started doing and really appreciate and love she's like oh man like I wish we had done it when you were younger or something like that and you know we could have if I was more interested probably but you know to be able to provide opportunities to all 
every kid in a school because um, not not every kid has an opportunity at home to spend that time or to you know have the fresh ingredients or to have all the different uh, utensils and and supplies that you need to create certain meals. Um, but be able to but being able to provide that in a school. Um, kind of levels the playing field. So it gives every kid an opportunity to grow that interest. And that's what I'm kind of hoping that this little podcast will interest some you know, educators out there to provide these opportunities for the kids. Um, so let's see, what are, what are other incentives for students to be involved? Um, so we've talked about social skills, start, ooh, start viewing cooking as something positive instead of a chore. Um, just being interested in the food that they're growing, we've talked about that, and trying, how about trying foods that they probably wouldn't want to try? Like if you brought kale home from the supermarket, maybe the kids are like, ooh, what's that? I don't want to try that. But maybe they grow it, and they're like, ooh, what can we use to try this? And, you know, what can we make from this that we've grown and how exciting is it to have something that they've started from all the way at the beginning when it was a little tiny plant or a little seed and bring it all the way into the kitchen. I feel like it has a, I don't know, some kind of charming effect that gets the kids it's excited. It's magical. It is magical. Oh, the magic of food science and culinary arts. <laughs> <laughs> you really do. You get that, you get a different interest in kids when they have that appreciation for watching it grow or or um, or even going to a farm and, and getting it and seeing where it's grown versus going to a grocery store. It's just a whole different level of understanding for kids. And um, I mean, we see it all the time where kids will be in the grocery store and not in the grocery store, but in, in the farm and, and they're out looking at the field and they're going, what's this? What's that? And they go into the farm stand and they're like, mom, dad, I want to take this home. I want to take that home. And you know, the mom's like, are you really going to eat that? And the kids are like, yeah, let's find something to do with it. And, you know, and, and it just, I think it spurs a lot of kids interest in uh, that they, you know, might not always have. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So this has been amazing. And I'm so glad that you came as our first guest. You're so knowledgeable with just all about farming and all about cooking and foods. And I'm just so excited that you took the time to come on the show and and hopefully you know, interest any listener or anyone that's kind of looking online for some ideas on what they can do to enhance their school or their classroom um, or even home life maybe there's a parent out there or someone that's looking to have a cool project so exactly. hopefully hopefully we interested a few people um if you are ever interested in reaching out to linda you can find her at tangerini spring street farm in millis massachusetts um, if you're ever in the area absolutely check out the farm if you are someone that is you know, looking to have their camp go to the farm by all means reach out if it's a nearby camp and there's such awesome things that they do um, for the kids and in schools go and visit the farm especially in the fall i feel like falls a really popular yeah, time definitely. with the pumpkins and the apples how exciting and if you don't live anywhere near millis massachusetts or you don't even live in massachusetts then absolutely reach out to your local farm and 
and see what they have to offer. I'm sure that they have different opportunities um, for your kids to learn. Maybe if you can't go to the farm for a field trip, maybe the farmer can come to you. So there's so many opportunities that you can bring to your classroom or hopefully um, go on a field trip too. So by all means, reach out to your local farmer. And uh, that's about it. Thanks so much, Linda, for coming in. Thank you for having me. All right. If you are interested in uh, reaching out to me, Tori Cameron, you can. Um, I have a little website. It is steamuptheclassroom.com. If you are interested in coming on as a guest, please reach out to me. I would love to talk to you and see what you would like to bring to the show. And um, hopefully we can have you on. So thanks so much again, Linda. And everyone have a great day. Thank you.